This is the Skeptic Squared Podcast. A safe place to make light of sacred things. My name is Matt. And I'm Corinne. And in this program, we will be discussing current events related to religion, atheism, and skepticism. Our goal is not to insult believers, although that will probably happen from time to time, but rather to share our point of view on these topics in a way which will benefit and entertain others. Or maybe we just want to stroke our own egos. You decide. Welcome to the Skeptic Squared podcast. Today is August 1st, 2016, and with me is my wife, Corinne. Hello. And we got a whole bunch of articles to talk about today, so let's just get right to it. Yes. We don't know how much time we have because our our neighbor just kind of periodically... um, Turns on loud, bass-heavy music. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's really annoying. Yeah. So we have to time this just right. Um, without knowing exactly. <laughs> anything about our neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so to start with, um, I wanted to talk about something that pertains to a video game that I personally enjoy playing, mm-hmm. um, a game called Overwatch. Now, the game itself doesn't really have much to do with religion at all, <laughs> but there are uh, a couple of characters mm-hmm. in the game that are kind of, uh, well, one character is kind of Hindu-ish and one's kind of Buddhist-ish, Buddhist-ish. like they have loose um, connections with those religions. Which one's Hindu-ish? That's the one that we're going to talk about in this article. <laughs> it's not a very popular character because oh. it has like a single, like real function. Oh. Um, so not a lot of people like to play it, but uh, any- anyway, so um, apparently this this character um, looks a lot like a, a Hindu goddess. Okay. Okay. Um, Hinduism, of course, has a uh, polytheistic view, um, and they have lots of different gods and goddesses in their pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the characters um, looks a lot like one of their gods. Okay. Okay. Has like similar crown and jewelry, and uh, like the skin color is the same. Like it's a light blue tint to it. Okay. There's a blue character. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not very familiar it's with okay, this I'll, game. I'll show you pictures later. Okay. It's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the uh, let's see the Universal Society of Hinduism president Rajan Zed. Is his name? Uh, urged Blizzard and Activision, the companies that made the game Overwatch, mm-hmm. in a statement to remove the character Symmetra's Devi skin. So, like, there's different skins that different characters can have in the game. So, one of the skins that this character has uh, looks like the goddess, okay? okay? Because it trivialized Hinduism's highly revered goddesses. So, their concern is that um, by putting this character in the game with this particular skin so that they look so familiar or so similar to this actual Hindu goddess mm-hmm. that it's going to trivialize Hinduism and in particular this goddess so that people don't take it seriously or something along those lines. Um, oh, okay. I just found the skin. Oh, okay. Um, so they, in the article they explain, Devi is the great goddess of Hinduism. Worshipped in many different forms and names since prehistoric times, 
while Symmetra's Devi skin and its recolored counterpart Goddess, so like a it's just the same skin, but in different colors, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't seem to represent any one particular aspect of the goddess. It incorporates many aspects of their cultural depiction, notably Kali's skull decoration and the blue skin associated in the faith with all things infinite. Okay. Okay. And so basically what they're asking is for Blizzard, the, the company that makes the game, mm-hmm. um, to take the skin off the game to c- completely remove it from the game okay. and um and it's an interesting um you know topic of conversation because one you especially like a company like blizzard that is international and wants everybody to enjoy their game mm-hmm. um they want to have this ecumenical approach and and be accessible to everyone mm-hmm. okay so they're not really in the business of offending people right. or making big gestures yeah okay? on purpose uh, on purpose right but as uh, a lot of people have been pointing out in like the comment section and in other articles that I've seen, um, there are characters in this game from all different regions of the world. Right. Some of which, um, like, like there's a character that is like a Buddhist Zen monk or something mm-hmm. like that. And then there's another character um, that is dressed in traditional Native American um, attire, um, like a thunder god. Um, and then there's, uh, well, there's a few other ones. So, you know, so it's like, why are we singling out this particular one? Why is this one offensive? Because it's trying to include aspects of lots of different cultures. Because this one's a divinity. But you could argue that the Buddhist one looks a lot like Buddha because he's like, you know. But Buddha's fat, isn't he? Um, in like Like the the little figurines. figurine is fat. But traditionally Buddha was actually skinny. Very skinny. Yeah. Um. And one of the characters, I think it's the same character, actually. So the one that looks like kind of a Buddhist character mm-hmm. or whatever. He has an alternative skin that looks like one of the Egyptian gods. Right. Like Ra or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. So, again, another god. Mm-hmm. An- another aspect of a religious uh, tradition, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, I mean, is it really offensive? Is it really, I don't know, I don't know in poor taste to include this? I don't know. I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> I just... <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question. So far, yeah. um, the game still has the skin, so Blizzard right. hasn't taken it down. When did uh, the article post? Um, let's see. This one came out in on July 17th. So Oh, so a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Have you, did you see any articles of their, like them responding to it? I have not. Huh. Maybe there's something in here. Let me see if I can find something. Okay. With the uh, e- Egyptian god mm-hmm. one, do Egyptians still like worship these gods though, or have they know. moved away from that? Because aren't they more? Oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking. I feel like it's they don't work. Yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like it's a dead religion, and that's why it's not being mm-hmm. brought up. I think Hindus still worship these gods, right? Yeah. For the most part. Right. There's nothing in this article from Blizzard. It's mostly just statements of this guy, Zed, just restating his his main point, which mm-hmm. is it, it trivializes his religion. Um, they should respond by putting a Jesus in there. <laughs> <laughs> like soldier can have a, <laughs> a Jesus skin. <laughs> 
<laughs> would it be a soldier? Um, He's the only white guy. I, I guess. White Jesus. I don't know. There's there's a black character in there. That that might be kind of funny. That might be funny, yeah. Um, black Jesus. Black. <laughs> <laughs> Which is especially funny because that particular character is a, a reaper that uh, mm-hmm. is kind of sort of a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, can, he uh, gains uh, life by consuming the souls of other players. It could game. be Junkrat. <laughs> Junkrat would be kind of fun. Um, Just because he's kind of a diabolical character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorites. It's yeah. it's very... Uh, it, just, I don't know, it just reminds me of Mad Max, the movie. Yeah, you know, totally. Like that, that kind of style. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. It's one of the... What are they called? The Lost Boys or whatever? Not the Lost Boys, but uh, what are they called? Oh, War Boys? War Boys. That's the one, yeah. (laughs) It kind of looks like that a little bit, but not the white skin. (laughs) Maybe they should give him a War Boys skin. That would be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. Anyway, so that's what I got for that particular article. Okay. Um, Do you have something? Um, Yes, in a complete... Uh, divergence from <laughs> so something video games. Totally different. <laughs> I like to start light. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So all of mine, I think, are actually uh, very Mormon. So okay. I'm having a Mormon moment. That's all right. Um, so the title of this article is "How Skipping Church Affects Our Children." In all the right ways. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or is this saying that that's a bad thing? It's saying that it's a bad thing. Okay. <laughs> So basically, it starts out by saying by um, asking the question, um, why churches today are losing their young people? Okay. And how can we indoctrinate them more effectively? <laughs> right. And <laughs> pretty popular answers are, you know, temptations of the world, or right. you know, or that um, church and religion is becoming more and more irre- irre- irrelevant. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but this man that this question was posed to, his name is Carl Truman. Okay. Um, and the article says, he makes a keen and convicting convicting connection between our parenting and apostasy. Convicting? Yeah. That's the word they chose? Uh, yeah. Is that a typo? Um, probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of typos in this. Uh, and what's the uh, site? Is this like yeah, it's those, a uh, WordPress site. Things? Speaking with speaking truth with love dot wordpress dot com. Oh, that is an awful name. Yeah. Okay. I didn't delve into their so what is blog his, at all. What is his convicting argument? So I'll I'll <laughs> read what he said. Okay. So quote: The church is losing its young people because the parents never taught their children that it was important. That is absolutely false. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sorry, I think that applies across the board. It applies to family worship, and it also applies to whether you are in church every Sunday and what priority you demonstrate to your children church has on a Sunday. If the sun shines out and their friends are going to the beach, do you decide to skip church and go to the beach? In which case, you send signals to your children that it is not important. Unquote. That so is stupid. exactly that, is that was false. that was exactly my reaction to it as well mm-hmm. because you and I both mm-hmm. grow grew up in yeah pretty orthodox Mormon homes. No, we, we've talked about it. We've, yeah. we've done a, we've done articles on on mm-hmm. uh, what you're supposed to do and not supposed to do on exactly. Sunday. Exactly. Yeah, know? and Sundays were specifically set aside mm-hmm. for worship. Yeah, we went to church every Sunday. There was no question what yeah. my parents thought uh, as far as the importance of. Uh, 
you know, appropriate Mormon Sunday activities. Occasionally, we didn't have to go if we were on vacation, but it depended on the type of vacation. If it was, you know, with other family, then we usually went. We would would plan our vacations around being able to go to church. Yeah, that's where our families differ. (laughs) Yours was a little more strict, but... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, for a while, my dad would even, like, when we went camping over a Sunday, would do the sacrament. Uh Oh. But I think something came down from, you know, high up in the church that that wasn't appropriate anymore. So he stopped. <laughs> it's just it's just silly. It's, yeah. it's such an arbitrary thing. Yeah, because so many, you know, people mm. that leave religion spent hours yeah. and days, you know. Everybody uh, knows the yeah. importance of the Sabbath. Exactly. <laughs> Especially in Mormon, yeah. Mormon church. They drive that home hard. Yeah, like, the Sabbath day is a holy day. They have a primary to, song about that. You're not supposed to wear regular clothes. You're supposed no. to stay in your Sunday attire. Yeah. You don't watch TV. You can't read anything that's not church approved. Well, or, depending or, on your parents. Depending on your parents. My parents, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, we could pretty much only watch, like, church videos and uh, homemade videos that mm-hmm. we did ourselves or, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, looking back on it, there was an inadvertent um, benefit to that where I have some pretty clear memories of my childhood, right. like very early memories. <laughs> uh-huh. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that on Sundays, all we could do was flip through photo albums and watch home videos. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, Just reinforcing the memories. Like, exactly, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, because of stuff like that, that I think is why I can actually remember parts of birthday. my second birthday. Yeah, that makes sense. You know. Anyway, so that's it for that article. I mean, yeah, I mean that's basically all the article has to say. It just um, goes on and on about extracurricular extracurricular activities and prioritizing what you do on Sundays. Mm-hmm. But it was mostly just that first quote that I wanted to read because <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of infuriating. <laughs> It, and it's I just feel so like it is demeaning. It's demeaning, and I feel like that's another. You know, it just that trivializes my worldview. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it harms the parents that have children that leave the church too, because they start thinking, "Oh, I didn't prioritize Sundays well enough." Well, that's a good point. You know, it's yeah. like that's where my mind went. You know, to mm-hmm. our parents, like, what is your that's, mom going to think if she read something like that, knowing that, that you and your sister left the church? That's exactly where my mom's mind did go. Exactly. Actually. Yeah. But then, like, like, reading it in another article, like, mm. it just continues to reinforce that damaging idea that it's your fault. You didn't try hard enough, and that's why your children are straying from the path. It's like, who cares if you go to the beach one day? (laughs) Or every day. You have two days for a weekend. (laughs) Yeah. Second Saturday's great. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. If you can go to the beach on Sunday, do it. Go to the beach. Go to the beach. Yeah. And lots of people justify that by saying, oh, I'm spending time in nature, God's right. creation. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just silly. But it is silly, but if that's what you need context. to get out of church, then go for it for a while. Yeah. For, for a true believing Mormon, that's a pretty silly argument. I could see... It depends on other... where you're at. You think so? Mm-hmm. The I... beach is probably harder, but like mountains um, and stuff, because they like to... Uh, in a lot of people's minds, it's analogous to the temple, the mountain of the Lord. Yeah, that's the very Utah thing to do. Go yeah. Out the mountains. Um, it, but, I mean, okay, going back to my parents, they would only ever do that kind of thing after we had already gone to church. 
and we would still right. follow all of our usual mm-hmm. things. Like we would listen to Mormon Tabernacle Choir right. in the car on the yeah. drive up, and you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all of that kind of. That's garbage. why I was so grateful for iPods. <laughs> it was a lot easier to hide that you were listening to anything. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Oh well. Real quick, side yes. note. I do think that my parents have gotten a lot more lax in their Sunday uh, observance, as is evidenced by my brother, Christopher. Every time we're at, you know, at my parents' house or whatever, he's always, like, in his room or on his phone, like, just, like, watching stuff on his phone, like, in plain view of my parents, and they don't say anything. Like, I wouldn't (laughs) have been able to get away with that when I was his age. That's interesting. Yeah. My mom claims that she's a lot more lax, but... uh... With who? Taylor's well, with, not at home with, anymore. With Taylor when he was growing up. Oh. Because um, he was a lot younger. He was mm-hmm. four years younger than the one sibling above him. Oh, yeah. So in a, a few ways, he was kind of an only child. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since, um, you know, my, my home ward in Seattle was uh, becoming a lot more uh, just older. Like mm-hmm. there were not as many young families. And so there weren't very many people for Taylor to just associate with within the Mormon culture, um, and because my mom is very much um, trepidatious about <laughs> um, her kids um, mingling with non-Mormons, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the reasons she wants to live in Utah, um, she didn't really encourage him to have non-Mormon friends, and so he didn't. Mm-hmm. And he's a little bit reclusive. He's kind of like me in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he just didn't have very many friends as a teenager you know like he had like one good friend that went to church with him and that was about it you know like there just wasn't anybody else for him to hang out with Uh was his age you know because he wouldn't hang out with anybody that wasn't mormon you know Mm -hmm. anyway so keeping in the uh the mormon theme okay this is an article that came out a couple weeks ago um july 12th okay and has been bandied about a bit on uh, ex-Mormon circles, where in the uh, the church news and uh, Deseret News, um, one of the Mormon higher-ups, Dallin H. H. Oaks, mm-hmm. Dallin H. Oaks, <laughs> yeah, those stupid middle letters. I know. You know. Um, he actually did something that people in the higher uh, echelons of the church don't normally do. He talked about the actual church's finances, um, which are not public. Mm -hmm. They're one of the only major churches um, in the U.S. that doesn't make their finances public, Mm -hmm. which is a criticism that lots of people bring up, but true-believing Mormons don't really care because they have all the faith in the world. Well, they they think they know where it's going. Yeah, and and they have all the faith in the world that uh, the church is doing um, the best thing that could possibly be done Mm -hmm. with the money. Like, there's no chance that they would be doing something um, bad or right. questionable or right. not the best thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so what he did, um, Mr. Oaks, was he actually put a number on how much money the church spends on welfare and humanitarian aid. Oh, they combined them. Yes. So I'll just read the first paragraph since it kind of explains it. 
In a lecture given last month at the University of Oxford, Elder Dallin H. Oaks of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles said that each year the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints spends about $40 million on welfare, humanitarian, and other LDS church-sponsored projects around the world and has done so for more than 30 years. Okay? Okay. Um, they go on. That would account for approximately $1.2 billion on welfare and humanitarian efforts over the past 30 years. Elder Oaks also said that in the last year alone, Mormon volunteers have devoted 25 million hours of labor. Does that include uh, missionaries? Uh, probably. Because that's... A bit self-serving. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's one of the big criticisms that people have of churches in general um, when they talk about the difference between uh, charitable donations of believers and non-believers. They say that um, believers contribute more, but they only contribute more in that they give money to churches. Right. You know, which is essentially giving money to themselves because they participate in those churches and those services. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of true charitable donations to real charities that are not self-serving okay that actually do charitable work for other people mm-hmm. um they're about the same religious people and non-religious people right um which is exactly what you'd expect <laughs> uh, but one of the things that uh, that a lot of people have been criticizing the church for um is that well this this came up when the city creek mall was mm-hmm. announced and how much money that they were going to be spending to build that stupid thing yeah um, which was what 1.8 billion dollars yeah. for that uh-huh. uh the, the whole project mm-hmm. um and and one of the things that people criticized was that at that time the best estimate was i think it was something like 25 million or 125 million there's 25 in there um for total charitable contributions um for like 25 years something along those lines okay so like the same time period that elder oaks is talking about Mm -hmm. okay and he's saying that it was significantly more than that 1.2 billion dollars um in charitable and humanitarian um projects okay um but that's still less significantly less than how much they spent on city creek Right. It still falls into the 2% of like their total tithing income, right? right? So, so uh, the same people who were projecting the uh, amount of money that the church um, was doing in humanitarian efforts during that time period also projected that um, the church was bringing in between, was it 6 and $8 billion in tithing yeah, a every year. year. Every year. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh, that's so much money. So much money. Which the church responded by saying that's just a ridiculously high number. Like it's significantly less than that. Right. Okay, let's Which, let's What say, does that say about your membership then? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but let's say it's half. Okay, let's say right. it's three to four billion dollars a year. Okay. It's still a fraction. Forty million dollars a year out of, you know, three billion dollars mm-hmm. brought in you're talking you know pennies on the dollar Mm -hmm. you know and uh the church has um 15 million or so people um worldwide on the records Mm -hmm. okay about half of which actually go to church with any regularity probably Mm -hmm. about half of those actually pay tithing regularly regularly so you're looking at um what is it just a couple million people actually contributing to the tithing funds Mm -hmm. of the church Mm -hmm. okay 
which means that $40 million over a couple million people annually, you're talking about just a couple of dollars annually mm-hmm. that each person, uh, like the, the money that they give to the church is actually being used for welfare and humanitarian aid. Right. Um, and so it's just silly to me because I've had conversations with like my own family members and other people about the church's humanitarian efforts. And they mm-hmm. always say, well, the, the church is like the first to respond and they always do all these great things and they have so many welfare programs and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, but it pales in comparison to how much money the church spends on City Creek and Temple Square and all of the temples around the world that cost tens of millions of dollars each. Mm-hmm. The 2% of land they owned in Florida. Yeah, they own 2% <laughs> of the land in Florida. Yeah. You know, They have more farms than any other organization in america mm-hmm. you know yeah <laughs> like they're the largest landowner one of the lar- largest landowner owners in the united states mm-hmm. you know so i don't know it it just kind of betrays the uh, the interests of the church right it exposes them yeah because it's not the uh you know the end is near kind of um you know stuff that they put out as like their main message like mm-hmm. get ready for jesus to come back again you know you need to get all your ducks in a row like they are investing in in major long-term stuff mm-hmm. you know land and making lots of uh uh you know stocks and business deals and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. that um like even their perpetual education fund um oh yeah we talked know, about that we, we talked about that and and there's a really good episode of infants on thrones i think it was wasn't mm-hmm. it where they talk about the perpetual education fund and one mm-hmm. of the big criticisms was um there were two ways to do a fund like that one which would help a ton of people in the short term mm-hmm. and not quite as many people after like 25 30 years mm-hmm. and then there's the other one that would help a lot more people in 20 to 30 years but not very many people right here and now. Mm-hmm. And the church went with the second one. They mm-hmm. went with the one that would help more people in 30 years, mm-hmm. not the one that would help people now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like they're not the, the they're, they're not as they seem, Mm-mm. you know. Right. If they were really about getting ready for the end times, they would try to help as many people now mm-hmm. as they possibly could. Right. But that's not what they're doing. No. You know. Anyway, I have a random question. Okay. I mean, it's still pertinent pertinent to this um okay so i feel like if you posed that this question to mormons like um you know showed that they could be spending more money on humanitarian efforts Uh and less on like building temples and stuff they would respond by saying that you know temple work you know because temple work is more important and it's Mm. helping those you know that have already died be brought into the church do you think they count that as like service for stuff like this? Well, maybe not like, probably not for stuff like this, but just in general. Do you think they think of that in as their, service? In their minds, they probably would. But, okay. You think so, that's how so they justify as, it? Well, here's, okay. So this is what popped in my head when you were asking the question. A lot of, a lot, a lot of people talk about how um, they build the temples to withstand um, hurricanes and, right. you know, all floods. these floods and stuff, you know, because it's, it's getting ready for the millennium right. and the second coming and it's supposed to be, um, you know, this big apocalyptic event and mm-hmm. whatever. And the temples are supposed to be able to withstand all of that stuff. Right. Okay. So the question is, um, why can't they just build them after? And why do they have to be so freaking expensive now? After the apocalypse? Yeah. Like in the thousand years yeah. of peace? Yeah. <laughs> 
That is an excellent question, actually. Like, why do they have to be able to withstand the apocalypse? There's going to be a thousand years of peace with Jesus living on the earth, telling everybody to be good and all that kind of thing, right? right? When they could why can't they build the them then? Like, we're, we're investing so much time and money and resources into these temples now so that they can withstand an event that's supposed to obliterate most of mankind. Right. When do the resurrections happen? Is it after the thousand years or is it before the thousand years? The first resurrection is supposed to happen at the beginning of the thousand years, I think, and kind of extend through all of it because they're supposed to come down and help with the temple work. Right. Right. Help connect the dots that, uh, you know, Ancestry.com can't quite put together, you know, getting this all the way back to Adam and Eve. Yeah. Um, which is just funny to think yeah, about. Yeah, it is funny to think about. Uh, but, uh, but that's what they're supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second resurrection um, happens after judgment. And then the final resurrection is just basically whatever's left over. Okay, so they know? really could do it through the thousand years of peace. Absolutely. There's no reason they couldn't. Right. You know? I just couldn't remember. Because if, if the resurrections happened before the thousand years mm-hmm. of peace... They could use that as an excuse. Yeah. But if it happens during right. and after, then that should be the But that's the time what's so, so ridiculous about the idea of temple work in the first place. Like, the whole point of the millennium is to get everybody ready for final judgment so that every single person ever born mm-hmm. has a chance to accept or deny Mormonism. Right. Okay? A thousand years to do that uh-huh. with angels and Jesus helping all of us. Right. Okay? Why are we so invested in temple work now? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Just it's, to keep them busy. It is to keep them busy. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely to keep Just them to busy. to redirect them. Yeah, it, and it's something that I heard on uh, another podcast. It probably was Infants on Thrones, where they talk about Scientology and their, their whole level system. Oh, yeah. How every time you reach one level, you um, are given the expectations and requirements for the next level. Mm-hmm. And it's this perpetual... Um, self-improvement, self-mastery kind of program that just keeps inching you higher and higher up the food chain, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing with Mormons. like, But they cap at the temple. So what do you do mm-hmm. after you get your temple endowment and you got your eternal family all set up? You just keep going to the temple and you keep doing temple work and keep doing genealogy. Mm-hmm. Like That's their their level system, right, you know, yeah. because not everybody's going to be able to work the, rank, the ranks of the uh, general authorities and no. the bishoprics and state like presidencies that. and all that. It's too much of a business for that. Right. So, I don't know. Just kind of silly. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Fun stuff to think about, I guess. <laughs> um, what do you got? Uh, okay, so the remaining articles that I have kind of focus more on women in the Mormon Church. So this is the visiting teaching message for the month of July. Because you want to explain I... what visiting teaching is? So visiting teaching is <laughs> the LDS way of responding to home teaching. <laughs> so visiting the, the teaching, sexist nature of home yeah, teaching. the sexist nature of home teaching. So visiting teaching is for Relief Society women who are eight, you know, eighteen and above. That's when you enter Relief Society. And one of your responsibilities being in the Relief Society is that you go visiting teaching. And they model this after missionaries where you have a Mm. companion and you go and visit X amount of people on your visiting teaching list. Everyone is assigned a particular sister, like three, Mm. four, five of them. It depends on how many people are in your ward. And you're supposed to visit them once every month. And then you report back and say, hey, I got 100% visiting teaching, yada, yada, yada. Right. It's a way of keeping the social connections uh, interwoven within the community. Which, you know, superficially, that's a fantastic idea. Everyone wants to feel included and feel like Mm -hmm. they have friends, but it also feels 
very superficial. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a forced friendship. These people exactly. have to go and visit you if they want to declare 100% visiting teaching. And so right. it's like, well, you're here because you have to be, and the lesson you're giving me is has already been prepared by for you else. by somebody else yeah. <laughs> worldwide. <laughs> so the visiting teaching message comes out in each issue of the Enzyme. The church magazine. The church yeah. magazine. Mm. And that's what people usually base their uh, their visiting off of. Okay. You're supposed to go in with, you know, you visit, you know, talk, gab, whatever. Right. And then you're supposed to have a spiritual moment. Mm-hmm. And that's where this message comes in. Right. So the one for July is called Our Potential for Parenthood. So right off the bat, where do you think that's going? Um, one of the best things that a woman can do is be a mother. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> is that basically it? Yeah. The most so my biggest beef, yeah, my biggest mm-hmm. beef with the LDS church while I was in it was that the only thing I was good for was having babies. Yeah. Every lesson had some sort of underlying marriage is the next step sort of thing. Like, regardless of what they say about education, mm-hmm. women are supposed to get married. Right. And you're supposed to have babies as soon as possible. Yeah. You need to build education, up that forever family. And education is a fallback in case you, heaven forbid, get divorced or your husband dies. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, let's see. Let's read. I'll read uh, Dallin H. Oaks. He came up again. Oh, hey. Quote. Um, so he says, it was essential that God's spirit children have mortal birth and an opportunity to progress toward eternal life. In light of the ultimate purpose of the great plan of happiness, I believe that the ultimate treasures on earth and in heaven are our children and our posterity. It's easy for him to say. He's an apostle. Exactly. He's in a position of authority Mm -hmm. over every single woman in the church. Yeah. But they use this all the time. It's like you have spirit children waiting for you up in heaven that Mm. can't complete their own test on earth until you have them. Right. You know? It's that idea that you get from, like, early Mormon movies and plays. From Saturday's like, Warrior. Yeah, Saturday's Warrior, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is what I was uh-huh. thinking of while I was listening to God-awful movies. Review oh, Saturday's yeah. Warrior. It's like, mm-hmm. this is the message. That yeah. poor little girl is waiting up in heaven, waiting to be born. and <laughs> Which is funny because you, you know that that... that specific system that they're they're promoting okay Mm -hmm. each child is assigned to a family before they're born Mm -hmm. right and they're just waiting in heaven for the parents to you know consummate and have the kid Mm -hmm. um you know that there are people around the world that don't have the kid that they're supposed to okay right and so that means that there are a bunch of kids um who uh were born into the wrong families Mm mm-hmm yeah, they've been recycled. <laughs> they've been recycled, yeah. Put back into the system. Right. And sent somewhere else. <laughs> Which is part of the reason why I want to watch Saturday's Warrior again, because they were talking about, one, like, in the beginning, when um, one of the spirit children is aborted. Right. He ends up back on Earth. Which is interesting to think about, because if that's really how it happened, like, why are you still against abortion? Because the child will still Wait. be born. That that same child. Yeah, to, the same. Oh, that's interesting. The because, same actor, so it's mm, the right, same right. person, ends no, up that, on Earth. That's interesting because it, my understanding as a as a believer was once, um, you, know, you know, going back to the whole idea that um, life begins at conception. Mm-hmm. Okay, so once the fetus is formed, right? Like you get once the egg and sperm join. Exactly, you've got like life. it's it's life. Um, that that counts as them getting their physical body. Mm-hmm. So they don't need to come back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things that, um, at least on my mission anyways, um, 
we always told people because you know they're in Bulgaria, where I was, a lot of women there had abortions, mm-hmm. and they were concerned about it, you know, like joining the, joining the church and, like, this whole strident idea against abortion and, and uh, the forwarding families and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, they were concerned about it, and so we would tell them, um, you know, don't worry, like, those children were aborted, and God knew that they would be aborted, and, and he knew that those children would, would pass any earthly test anyway, so they get a free ticket into heaven. Can you imagine being that child? <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's like, I was designed for death. Right. Thanks a lot. But it gets a free ticket into heaven. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, you know, if that's the case, because I, I know that there are Mormons who believe that. Right. Uh, versus the idea that they just get a different body and come uh-huh. down later. The, but the idea that they they get the one chance and they just get the free ticket to heaven. Why Mormons aren't more in favor of abortion in general? They get right. so many more people just shoot into heaven. Right. Right. With either scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Abortion like, is fine. Yeah. <laughs> it should be fine. It's, it's like, uh, I mean, this is a, a much darker um, example, but Andrea Yates, uh-huh. the, uh, the lady who killed right. her children, she did it because she wanted them to go into heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, because they were still so young that they wouldn't be held accountable for any of their sins and that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a very Mormon idea, mm-hmm. I, I thought, even though she isn't Mormon. Yeah. It's the whole age of accountability. Right. But it, but according to the theology, those children made it into heaven. Mm-hmm. She guaranteed their salvation by killing them in a, before they would reach the age of accountability. Mm-hmm. And according to her theology, she was successful. Right. You know, same idea with abortion. If you have an abortion, don't they just get a free ticket into heaven? Mm-hmm. What, you know, like according to the, the theology... Yeah, what's the problem? According to the theology, it mm-hmm. seems to support that idea. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but... I mean, Mormons will never buy into that because, you know, they hear that abortion is such a terrible thing right. over the pulpit, you know, yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah, it's because the idea of the fetus experiencing pain is perpetuated mm-hmm. relentlessly. Right. It's like, oh, anything does, painful right. is terrible. How does that compare to all of the pain that you experience through life? I know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can grow from that pain. You well, don't grow from being aborted. Fetuses are unaware babies up until yeah, a couple but they of don't months accept are that. It's scientifically proven. <laughs> yeah, it is, but they don't accept that. Yeah. It's just a <laughs> In large argument. part, people that are mm. against abortion don't accept that. Yeah, I guess. It's like the soul enters the body mm. as soon as it's conceived. Yeah, but there's, yeah. anyway. <laughs> so on some level... It feels like we're about to go into a rabbit hole. <laughs> and there's, there's no uh, pulling that nose out. So. Yeah. Um, so continuing. Oh, go. Yeah, I do have more. Um, so I don't, I mean, this could be an old um, idea, but I feel like it's becoming um, more popular these mm-hmm. days in the church, is that you don't necessarily... Um, if you don't get married and have children on earth, that doesn't necessarily mean you won't have that opportunity later. Right. And this is given, like, That's what this the is taught, for. yeah, this is taught to women mm-hmm. a lot these days because There's so many single there are women. so many single women mm-hmm. who are obsessed with the idea of being mothers because mm-hmm. that's what they've been taught since the day they yeah. went to nursery. Yeah. <laughs> you Absolutely. know, it's like, it's ingrained in them. And so this is their way of trying mm-hmm. to like, assuage that fear it's like oh but you'll still have a family in the eternities it's just you'll have to wait to die first it's reassuring yeah um (laughs) so they're instead of having a a normal family they get a zombie family yeah that's good spirit family not zombies zombie family 
Well, in order to be a zombie, you've had to have been alive first. Your spirit family wouldn't have been alive oh, first. So, so they're a zombie, but their children aren't? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it makes total sense. <laughs> Don't worry, right. this isn't necessary for your salvation. Right. <laughs> okay, I want to read this last part. Um, it's under living stories. So they usually have Mormons love real life, quote unquote, stories right. to because help I- support their arguments or opinions or whatever anecdotes are uh, fantastic evidence yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's all feelings based and that's what they go for Mm -hmm. okay so it says many voices in the world today marginalize the importance of having children or suggest delaying or limiting children in a family said elder anderson my daughters recently referred me to a blog written by a christian mother not of our faith with five children she commented Growing up in this culture, it is very hard to get a biblical perspective on motherhood. Children wink, rank, sorry. <laughs> Children rank way below college, below world travel for sure, below the ability to go out at night at your leisure, below honing your body at the gym, below any job you may have or hope to get. She then adds, Motherhood is not a hobby. It is a calling. You do not collect children because you find them cuter than stamps. It is not something to do if you can squeeze the time in. It is what God gave you time for. So children are the best hobby. Children are the best hobby. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It just the, that end part just kind of irritated me. Yeah. Because especially in today's world, education is so, so, so important. Right. So important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so, yeah, I do think it takes precedent over having children. If you have a child before you get educated, that, you know, whatever. Yeah. No judgment. It doesn't necessarily But still, that doesn't mean, life. yeah, it, and it doesn't mean you should look down also, on other women that choose education first. But it doesn't also necessarily make your life better. No. You know. Wait, which one? Well, I just said, like, having a child before you get your education oh, right. doesn't necessarily ruin your life, Mm-mm. but it also doesn't necessarily make it better, no, which is something it that the church teaches. No, it makes it really difficult. The church teaches you should have children as soon as you can because it'll make your life better. That's oh. the whole idea, right? Right. But but it doesn't necessarily do that. No. You know, in a lot of ways, it makes it more difficult. Right. You know. Speaking as childless people. Well, I mean, talk to anybody. I, I mean, know. I can think of Read Facebook posts. Yeah, I can think of conversations with members of my family, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, old friends and stuff. I mean, my, my sister's friend, right? Um, you know, we had dinner with my sister, and she was there, and she said to us as newlyweds, oh. you know, you think you don't have money now, just wait until you have kids. You, right. don't, you really don't have money then. Do any traveling that you want to do now. Mm-hmm. Like, believe me, you have mm-hmm. way more time and money now than you ever will yeah. the rest of your life. Oh, my gosh. It, Speaking of that, yeah. <laughs> on Facebook, this is okay. related to the costliness of children. Okay. So it said, like, 10 things you don't know about um, raising a toddler or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of them was, in the first year of life, your child costs $7,000. Wow. And that does not include medical bills. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, holy crap. <laughs> in terms of, like, food and diapers and clothes. Yeah. And, wow. Yeah. So there's a little tidbit of information for you. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Save your pennies. Yep. Uh, so I'm done with that one now. We can okay. move on. So I guess in keeping with the theme of killing innocent babies. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, 
couple of things. One, um, this article came out July 19th. Um, federal court, uh, sorry, federal appeals court grants Planned Parenthood's restraining order against Utah. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Which I thought was just fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. Back last summer, uh, when that big scary video about <laughs> Planned Parenthood selling baby parts came... Multiple videos. It, it, yeah, came out, and uh, the huge smear campaign mm-hmm. came out. Um, Utah pulled all of its funding from... Planned Parenthood. Specifically the governor. Yes, specifically the governor. Who's up for re-election, by the way, this year. I know. Um, and uh, in response, you, uh, the Utah chapter of Planned Parenthood filed for a restraining order against the state of Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they can't just be harassed like that. Mm-hmm. And they won. The the gov- the the yeah the, uh, the judge, the federal appeals court judge, uh, sided with Planned Parenthood. So... There you go. I don't know exactly what that means. There's a, a statement down here. Just means basically, I think that they won't be uh, defunded. Oh, this is a this is a comment from Governor Herbert. The governor is dis. Oh, sorry, this is from his office, not mm-hmm. him personally. Right. <laughs> the governor <laughs> is disappointed with the court's split decision today, said Herbert spokesman John Cox. He believes that it is in the public's best interest to allow state officials to make contract decisions on behalf of the state rather than a distant federal court. The governor will work with the attorney general to review the court's decision and determine the best course of action moving forward. Um, okay, so that didn't really clarify very much of anything. Um, I, I think but, it really is just that it, they can't defund Planned Parenthood. That's the, that's big, the, that's the okay, big win. Good. Is good. Because that's what they were trying to do. They were trying uh, to shut Planned Parenthood down completely in Utah. Okay, so the group will get money to continue sex education and sexually transmitted uh, infection testing while the case continues to be litigated in the courts. Okay, mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. So they, they're still kind of fighting a legal battle against the, the Utah government. Mm-hmm. But for now, at least, their funding is not stopped completely. Right. Um, so that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, because there was uh, another article. I don't remember if we actually talked about this on the show or not. But uh, I think it was in Texas, um, one of the cities managed to do the same kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, to defund Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. So all of the federal funding was, was taken away. Mm-hmm. And from the time that that happened until the time of the article, which, if I remember correctly, was a couple of months, mm-hmm. a, you know, like four or five months, probably somewhere around there, mm-hmm. um, nobody in that region got tested for HIV. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Which is just terrifying. Yeah. It's like nobody got tested. Planned because Parenthood. Because people are still having sex, people. Right. <laughs> like Planned Parenthood was apparently the only um, facility that was doing that for the community. Um, you know, and, th- and that's an important part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood doesn't just do legal abortions. Right. They do all kinds of services. Yeah. They do I mean, no- it's, like, it's like the Mormon church. It's less than um, 2% of what they actually do. Yeah. And they can't use federal funding for it, Already. which is something that people yeah. can't get through their thick heads. Yeah, so any of the defunding that's going on isn't going to affect the abortions. Right, it's affecting women's health. And it's education and birth testing. control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and education. Yeah, yeah, and HIV testing, apparently, yeah. and cancer screenings yeah. and exactly. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. breast yeah. cancer screenings, like, that's a large part of what they do. Mm-hmm. So 
big victory for Planned Parenthood in, in, mm-hmm. in that regard. Yep. Um, but <laughs> this leads, leads into but. <laughs> this leads into the second article um, on Planned Parenthood that I have, um, where Planned Parenthood um, used a, a a symbol, uh, what the Mormon Church would call an innocent symbol of childhood faith. Well, I mean, it kind of is an innocent <laughs> symbol. Like yeah. it's not. But, but they used this symbol, this Mormon symbol, mm-hmm. um, to advertise condoms. Okay, so they put. This, okay, so the, the symbol is a little shield that has the letter CTR on it. It stands for "Choose the Right." Okay, mm-hmm. and this is usually put on a ring that you give um, children in the Mormon Church around the time that they are eight, uh, about to get baptized mm-hmm. into the church. Okay, and it's just you know that kind of reminder: choose the right, make a good decision. Which, generally speaking, is is a fine message, you know, for for kids. Um, but it's just it's funny, like reading this this article from Deseret News, which is a Mormon publication. The way that they frame this whole argument. So here's what um, the the top of this article says: um, In our opinion, so this is the title: Planned Parenthood should have chosen the right. Implying that Planned Parenthood <laughs> chooses the wrong. Okay. Um, then it says Planned, Parenthood, Planned Parenthood's use of an innocent symbol of childhood faith to advertise free condoms raises serious concerns about the organization's judgment. <laughs> yes, that's what you're worried about them judging. Right. But it's. it's okay, so um, I don't know if it talks about it, this in the, uh, the article. But uh, Planned Parenthood apparently issued an apology and decided not to use that particular condom that they had made um, because there was so much backlash in Utah because of it. Um, and uh, there was a, uh, yeah, the, the uh, apology that you read at uh, your grandparents, mm-hmm. your grandpa's house yesterday, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it, I don't know. It's, it's just funny because they're so worried about Planned Parenthood attracting children yeah okay um god forbid right right um but what they're really uh what they, the the mormon church is really upset about i think is that um the more the planned parenthood organization is indoctrinating the kids using the same symbol or right. same tactic that the church is using to indoctrinate the kids mm-hmm. um maybe indoctrination is a, a strong term in regards to planned parenthood since they're not actually teaching the kids they're just using the symbol on a condom right you know for advertising purposes um i don't know it's, it's just kind of funny like the, the this backlash is all just a knee-jerk reaction to planned parenthood because again of the abortion issue yeah they're looking you know? for anything to bring them down mm-hmm. they'll glean onto anything yeah and your and your grandpa's um reaction yeah was the perfect mormon reaction yeah it's kind of surprising you think so <laughs> that he was so passionate about it yeah. i don't know well, know. you know him better than I do, but oh, yeah, and I still don't know him very well. <laughs> well, I think in his old age, he's getting mm-hmm. more passionate about things mm-hmm. because he spends so much time by himself. Okay, but like he he just got super vehement, yeah, uh, about the whole issue, and and he brought about... it up in the weirdest way, like just completely random. It's like he had planned it. He like just was walking around the kitchen, picked up the newspaper <laughs> article and just started talking to my dad about condoms right. and what Planned Parenthood had done. And I was just like, 
what? In the middle of a conversation. In the middle of another conversation that was going on at well, the dinner table. Pokemon Go, I think is what we were talking about. That might have been like the that. time that we were talking about that, yeah. It's like, did you it's see just so Planned weird. Parenthood and their condoms? Yeah, and, and my dad was just like, what? <laughs> you know, the condom thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, oh my gosh, Grandpa, this is not the time to be talking about condoms with my parents. But it was so persistent. Because, yeah. because your mom changed the subject, mm-hmm. okay, and got us talking about something else, mm-hmm. and he... Uh, he wouldn't let it go. No. He, he brought out yeah. the the newspaper He's and threw it on the table, person. and and expected everybody mm-hmm. to read it and be just as outraged as he was. Right. Um, which, I, I mean, it, it led to us having an interesting conversation on the ride home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no interesting conversation that took place there, which right. again is kind of surprising too, because I know my mom especially is against Planned Parenthood. Um, so this is something that she, reasons. yeah, for all the obvious reasons. And <clears throat> so if she wants her children to be against Planned Parenthood too, you would think that she would kind of, you know, grab the reins and talk about it too. Which is kind of surprising to me that she doesn't that sometimes. She mm-hmm. I I think part of that is because it's my grandpa bringing it up. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, if it was a private conversation between, like, mm. her and Christopher, then she'd talk about it. Mm. But yeah, my parents aren't yeah. good with group discussions. Mm. Never have been. Well, it, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking about the way that your grandpa talked about it. Because mm-hmm. he was... He was trying to paint the picture that Planned Parenthood is like this high and mighty elitist kind right. of group that is looking <laughs> right. down their nose at all the poor, ignorant, uh, redneck Mormons in uh-huh. Utah. You know, and targeting the progressives, <laughs> targeting the the progressive, sophisticated Utahns. You know, with their their th- that was the phrase that he used. But you read the the actual apology, the article that yeah. he, he gave you, um, and it didn't use that phrase at all. It was just. Targeting progressive Mormons, or mm-hmm. pro- progressive Utahns, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was all it said. Yeah. You know, but in his mind, like he's just so against Planned Parenthood and everything they stand mm-hmm. for, and the whole ab- ab- abortion issue, um, that even though it said we're targeting progressive Utahns, he takes that as we're targeting progressive, sophisticated Mormons and Utahns, and you know, like trying to paint it in this way that makes Planned Parenthood look so high and mighty and pompous you know (laughs) because they'll do anything to villainize um you know the other side right you know which if that was the case they wouldn't have recalled all their ctr condoms that they'd Mm -hmm. spent a lot of money making right which they did yeah (laughs) and they issued an apology yep Said, Which we're is, sorry, we didn't think that this would be so offensive right. to people. We Which just is, wanted them to choose the right, you know, yeah. uh, birth control. Well, that's the other that's thing. That's the whole message, was choose the right birth right. control. The, the, the message is choose the right, meaning choose um, safe sex. Yeah. Choose it's not saying choose to have sex all the time. Right. It's not even choose to have premarital sex. Because no. lots of married people use condoms. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. lots of Mormons use condoms. Like just, but they won't tell you that. They, they won't. They won't <laughs> talk about it. But just you know, choosing to have safe sex practices is the right choice. Yeah. But Mormons are so scared because it's such a taboo. Yeah. Because as soon as they acknowledge that, mm-hmm. you can you know make take birth control. Yeah. Minds. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like oh my gosh, teenagers are going to run wild with this yeah. now if we say. Yeah. Birth control and, and all, condoms, if you're going to have sex, use them. Yeah, and think of all of the unborn babies that are going to be sent to the wrong families now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know, that is something that I often wondered about. Yeah? Yeah. How, like, single mothers that didn't get married would get the right children. Huh. It's like, are the children assigned to the mother? Mm-hmm. Or are they assigned to the father? 
because I mean the determining like gender comes from the father, right? So you would ass- so in that okay. way you would I think that the child would be assigned to the father, oh. but if well, that's why it's so important to have <laughs> you're not a strong <laughs> nuclear traditional yeah, family. That's why you know? marriage is so important, so that yeah. you don't have weird things like this happening. Yeah, that's why you know children deserve uh, one father and one mother, you know, <laughs> not multiple fathers and mothers and divorces and single parents. Uh, yeah, divorces. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the church just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Not when you take it to its logical conclusions. Yeah. yeah. It's just amazing. Because I can see where I stopped every mm-hmm. time something like this comes up. Yeah. They fi- they walk that line. You know? Yeah. They find it and they just walk And they're it. good at disguising it as mm-hmm. being a line. Yeah. Like, this is like the topic. It, yeah. This because it's a line, it's a line with the wall with the church. Mm-hmm. You can't climb over the wall. What you don't realize is that the wall is invisible and you can walk right through it. It's an arbitrary line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's just nonsensical. <laughs> uh, it's okay to use condoms, kids. Yep. <laughs> They're not big and scary things. <laughs> Safe sex. <laughs> Become educated. Yeah. Well, I like uh, Stephen Fry's um, explanation of contraception. In that one debate with him and Christopher Hitchens mm. against the two Catholic people, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is on YouTube. Great debate. Yeah. Um, but he, he talks about the whole debacle with Africa and AIDS and the Catholic Church making the whole thing worse by saying that um, using a condom will actually, make it, will actually make it more likely that you will get AIDS, mm-hmm. right? Something that uh, Pope Benedict said in an airplane once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, he, uh, he he talks about the ABCs of... Uh, safe sex practices, abstinence, um, be loyal to your spouse, and then proper condom use. Mm-hmm. Great advice. Yeah. Because it abstinence includes... is still first. Yes. And they acknowledge that abstinence is the best way. Yeah. It, but... It's a great way of doing it. But it's not the only way. Yeah. And you can't limit people. Uh, it's a it's a it's a religious imp- imposition. It's putting your religious beliefs onto another person mm-hmm. and telling them that you have the moral high ground because right. it's your religious belief, mm-hmm. and that is morally uh, wrong. I think, you know, it's yeah. it's the same argument with, uh, you know, religious people trying to impose their traditional family on gay people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not of your group. They do not fit in that mold. You cannot make them do that. Right. You know, and it's wrong to do so uh-huh. because all you have is your religious belief um, backing that up. You know, like there's lots of different ways to have a family. There's lots of lef- different ways to have safe sex, mm-hmm. you know, and villainizing one avenue of those two things in order to prefer your religiously based, um, you know, preference. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wrong. Yep. Agreed. What? <laughs> I think in I my grandpa's younger days, he would have been all for condom use. Yeah. If someone told him it was okay. Mm. And that's and that's the and battle. I think he would not have married my grandmother so early. And Perhaps that, not at all. Yeah, and that's the battle. It's it's educating people in their youth. Yep. You know, education versus indoctrination. Yep. There's yeah. a difference. I mean, granted, he grew up in the 50s, so, you know, that tells you a lot. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, is it my turn now? Do you have more? Yeah. 
Go go for it. Do you have more? I think I think we'll do yours as the last one. Oh, okay. Um, the other ones that I have are not really tied to anything we've been talking about. So then I want to kind of combine these. Then if my phone will cooperate, my phone has started like freezing when I try to scroll through something, and I have to wait like fifteen seconds before it responds. Hmm. Okay. Um. So these are all from the same um website flunking sainthood and i believe flunking sainthood flunking sainthood and i believe they're up by all the same author too okay jenna reese or something yeah i'm not entirely sure if i pronounced that correctly reese or rice or something right so one is called who is leaving the lds church one is called mormon women fear eternal polygamy and one is called are single mormon women screwed (laughs) (laughs) and they all kind of tie in together so maybe i'll start with the uh eternal polygamy one okay i don't know okay so anyways polygamy Mm -hmm. if you know anything about the mormon church you know that polygamy was very much fundamental in the beginning of the mormon church yes but it is no longer taught as being necessary necessary or practiced yes um Unless but you're an apostle. There is still eternal <laughs> polygamy. That's what celestial marriage is. Right. So anytime a man gets married and gets divorced, well, gets married and is sealed to his wife, and that wife, either they get divorced or she dies or something, and he remarries, he can be sealed to another woman while still being sealed to the first woman. Which means they'll be married Which means in that they'll be married in heaven. Yes. Which for a lot of women is terrifying for them. Right. Because... If, if you just read anything about polygamy mm-hmm. and women are terrorized in this, like it is not a good situation for women right. because they are constantly pitted against each other, trying to win the affection of their husband. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, you live in terror of not being good enough for this person. Right. And so a lot of LDS women, apparently that fear this mm-hmm. eternal polygamy end up holding a part of themselves back because they're worried that like, it's almost like holding it in reserve for the afterlife. Does that make sense? Right. It's well, like it, they're worried that they're not going to be good enough and that he's going to get married. Mm-hmm. And one woman, apparently that this lady um, interviewed became a hypochondriac because she was so afraid of dying and her husband remarrying and being, being stuck with, yeah, being stuck with someone else in the family. Mm-hmm. So it's a real fear. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a completely unnecessary fear. It is completely unnecessary, especially if they are against polygamy in this life. I think they, you know, they need to even out the uh, whole sealing deal because mm-hmm. women cannot be resealed to a man. If she is resealed to a man, she loses her children. Her children will not be her children in heaven. Oh, that seal is broken between the man, but I've the children are still sealed to the to the to the, father. to the father. That's who they're sealed to. Interesting. They're not sealed to the mother. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, it's like wow. this triangle. The line mm. does not connect to the mother. Yeah. The line only connects to the father in both cases. So if the, a woman requests the seal to be broken, she loses her, her eternal children, children. Which is interesting because that's one of the ways that they hook people in mm-hmm. polygamy yeah. in their like polygamous compounds down in southern Utah. Mm-hmm. You know, women don't want to leave the polygamous compound because if they do, they have to give up their children. Right. And they usually have a lot of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Lots of children. They're, yeah. They are supposed to have a child every year. They're oh. supposed to be constantly pregnant. Yeah. 
It's like the Corverfold movement. Yeah. The Duggars and all that. Yeah. Pregnant and barefoot. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Not the whole pregnant and barefoot thing. It's just the, the idea of the perpetual, idea, yeah. perpetual pregnancy. And these women you know? have no choice. Mm-hmm. Not really. Not a real choice. No, not a real choice. Not in these fundamental groups. Mm-hmm. They don't have a choice. Yeah, it's like uh, that one quote from Brigham Young where he uh, basically challenges all of his polygamist wives yes. um, to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not happy in polygamy, Over the pulpit. Leave. Over the pulpit, yeah. He just says, you know, you can just leave, you know. Mm-hmm. But where are they supposed to go? Like, exactly. a woman in the 1850s can't just, in Utah. just leave. Yeah, in a Utah territory. A life. Yeah, you know? it'd be one thing if they were still surrounded by family back east. Yeah. But they're not here. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the greatest things that the feminist movement has actually done for humanity is making it so that women can actually leave uh, a marriage that they don't want to be in, mm-hmm. you know, making it more uh, like t- making divorce more accessible yep. and uh, more of a viable option mm-hmm. rather than making it so that women are just stuck in these abusive um, relationships, you know, or yep. uneven relationships. Yeah. It's a very mm-hmm. uneven. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, okay, so moving on to the next one. Um, mm-hmm. This is uh, who is leaving the Mormon Church? Okay, everybody. And, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, if ever there was a bandwagon to hop on. <laughs> right. I'm just gonna, I think, read the bullet points of who's leaving. So um, people that uh, tend to leave more are people that are single. Okay. Um, because there's no place for single people in the Mormon Church. Right. Except to just get them married. Right, which we'll get to a little bit. <laughs> um, being male, so men are more likely to leave than women. Interesting, because I have another article from the same person who says that they're not. Right. She goes on to say that uh, it's particularly prevalent in Utah, so maybe across the board it's not. Mm. But in that other article, because I read that one too, I think it's more like um, it's even. Women and men are yeah. just as likely. Like men are 23% more likely, women are 22% likely to. Yep, you nailed it. Yeah. That's one of the articles that I kind of wanted to but didn't yeah. get into. Today. Well, that's why I was saving I this one too, because if you were going to talk about that, I figured we could talk about them at the same time. Okay. So but. I guess we're talking about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have something to add to the being male, being single, and. Uh, d- so the, uh, the article that she has. So this is based on a survey that she conducted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, doubting occurs almost equally between women and men. Mm-hmm. But that's doubting. It's not leaving the church. Yeah, it's not leaving the church. Um, and then it says, it's older Mormons, not younger ones, who doubt at higher levels. Mm-hmm. Again, doubting, not leaving. Right. But she also gives reasons why that could be possible, like why that could be the reason as well. Because um, older people are more likely to have already, you know, been in the church, and younger people, like have a tendency to not associate with religion really early on. Yeah. They already have a foot out the door. Yep. Is, I think, how she put it in a lot of those. Okay, next one. Um, the next one is being young. So you just okay. covered that. Um, younger millennials, so people from 18 to 24, are even more likely to describe themselves as nuns than older millennials, which is 25 to 34. Um but in every succeeding generation of the U.S. population as a whole, there is less affiliation with organized religion. Um, let's see. Those are the three main ones that she talks about. Okay. I guess finishing the article that I have, um, the less educated have more doubts 
I thought that one was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think, but it again, falls she into talks this, about yeah. Sorry, I, go. I, I was gonna say like, there's two things that I can think of with this. One, um, educated people are really good at convincing themselves of things, like finding reasons to support stuff that they already believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is something that um, Michael Shermer from uh, yeah was a skeptic magazine. Yes. Um, he talks about that in one of his books, like mm-hmm. why smart people believe dumb things or something along those lines is one of his books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they're just really good at coming up with rationalizations for the stupid things that they believe. Right. Uh, you know, just look at fairmormon.com or mm-hmm. farms or whatever, like right. these uh, Mormon apologetic groups that find ridiculous but very scholarly sounding reasons to believe in Mormonism mm-hmm. and to dismiss any criticisms of Mormonism. Um, the other thing that I thought of was, and I don't think they talk about this in her article, but uh, of the vast majority of um, Mormons that have a higher education go through Mormon universities, so they're That's going true, yeah. they're going to get an extended dose of indoctrination that through adulthood, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, that's a good point. Yeah, so I think that plays into it a bit too. Right. Um, Another thing is Democrats are more likely to doubt than Republicans, but independents, and especially independents who lean Democratic, are the most likely of all to have doubts. Mm -hmm. Um, Converts are more likely to doubt than those raised LDS, which I think makes a lot of sense, and is one of the reasons why um, I think the church has such a hard time getting people to stay in the church uh-huh. you know like retention rates are just awful right now yeah missionary work is focused on retention rather than baptism right now right um it doesn't really matter where you live meaning that doubt is pretty much across the board mm-hmm. and uh people who make more than one hundred thousand dollars a year are more likely to doubt so there you go yeah oh and she uh so her definition of doubting is um re- based on their uh, response to the question, um, some teachings are hard for me to believe. Uh-huh. So, yeah. How, how much or how strongly they agree with that statement. Right. Something she points out, I think, in both of the articles, though, is that the sampling is skewed because these surveys are only going out to um, active Mormons, uh-huh. people that consider themselves to be Mormons. And she said one of the problems is that people that are still on, like, the church's roles or, like, in their membership records are still technically Mormons, but they don't consider themselves to be Mormons because right. they no longer go. Yeah. But, like, she wants to broaden the research to encompass all of those and mm-hmm. to get harder data on, like, why people leave the church. Yeah, which is really hard to do. It is really <laughs> hard to do. But I think, you know, with time, I think it'll be easier yeah. It's just It'll problematic be more socially because, acceptable too. Yeah. It's just problematic because the church just counts everybody that's on their role as a Mormon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not based on the same practices that you get in like a census, you know, where um, a person says what they identify as, mm-hmm. you know, it's just based on what's on their records, right. which is the exact same thing that the Catholic church does, um, which is one of the reasons why they have you know, quote, a billion members, you know, because they just never take anybody off the records, yeah. you know? Like, they count all lapsed Catholics, anybody that doesn't consider themselves Catholics, anybody who just was baptized as, you know, an eight-week-old infant and then never went back to church again, they're counted as Catholics. You know, same thing with Mormonism. You get your name on the rolls, you're there for life, mm-hmm. pretty much. It's really hard to get your name off the rolls, and there's some question as to whether or not removing your name uh, through a formal resignation actually it takes actually you off of anything. it. Right. Yeah. 
because yeah it, it, anyway that's, that's a whole other topic yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this final one links to kind of everything that we've been talking about okay um it, so it's uh our, our single lds women screwed and yes. basically the question is in regards to uh marriage mm-hmm. and <laughs> So, according to the article, there are now 150 Mormon women for every 100 Mormon men. Oh, wow. And that's because men mm-hmm. tend to leave the church more right. than women. Which means, I mean, and in Mormonism, mm. you are expected to marry someone within your own religion. Yes. The man needs to be a worthy Otherwise, priesthood holder. Exactly. What's <laughs> the point? Because then you don't have the eternal family. Yep. And so, you know... Mormon women sometimes get stuck with the stereotype that they're very picky and selective of who Mm -hmm. they date and who they're going to marry, but it's kind of forced on them. It's not really by choice necessarily. Because they're looking for the ideal candidate to take them through eternity. Exactly, because that's what they've been taught, again, since nursery. (laughs) Before you're judged by God, you're judged by your wife. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um. So they talked to a couple of single LDS women. Um, So going back to the whole idea of if you don't have a family on earth, you can have an eternal family. Mm. Okay, so one of the women said that um, however well-intentioned that particular comment may be referring to you can have children and a Mm. family in the eternities, it's just basically telling single Latter-day Saints that you have nothing, that we have nothing for you here, you're better off dead. (laughs) Because yeah. this is the goal. The mm-hmm. goal is to have a family. Again, education is set aside. You yeah. know, careers are set aside. You are supposed to have children. <laughs> yeah, and if you can't, then you're yeah, you're better off dead. Interesting. Yeah. Same with the uh, aborted fetuses. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> so the message is children that being women sent to the wrong families. Mm-hmm. Better so, off dead. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the the message is that women, especially single women, especially older single women, kind of are are surrounded by or that their lives don't really matter or really begin until they get married. Yeah. Everything like from going to school, from working, even your faith, it's mm-hmm. all preparing you for motherhood. Yeah. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what you accomplish. Yeah, nothing else matters. Nothing matters until you're a mom. Yeah. Um, and also the, another message is that their divinely ordained primary, even sole purpose for being on this, this earth is to bear and raise children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that they shouldn't worry about finding a spouse now because they will be married in the afterlife. And that they're single because they're too selfish or picky. But you can't really blame them for that when there's oh, man. I, 50% I can, more women than... <laughs> I can remember, um, you know, dinner conversations with my family about mm-hmm. that very thing. People being so picky that they just don't get married yeah. ever. Well, and I know I've... <laughs> I am guilty of that in mm-hmm. regards to my sister Megan, that she is too picky uh-huh. or she's very selective. And in some cases, I think that's still stands. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like seeing the statistics on that, uh-huh. it kind of sheds new light on that too. It's like she doesn't have a lot of options if she stays in Utah. Yeah. And then there's the added problem that Utah just has so many people to choose from, you know. It's like going to 31 Flavors and not being able to make a decision of what ice cream you want. What do you mean by so many people to choose from? Like at BYU, there's this big problem of people just having so many fish in the sea that they can't actually pick one. Oh. You know. 
That's pretty and, and, that, and that I think feeds into this idea of pickiness. Yeah. Like, like there's so many other options, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just gonna go to the next one. It's it's a and it's not just Mormons. Okay. Um, this there were, there was an article that I saw that talked about this phenomenon going on in New York City, having you know this huge number of single adults and nobody ever getting married because mm-hmm. there's so many people to choose from in New York City. You know, same mm-hmm. kind of idea. BYU, so many Mormons to choose from. You know, and they're awesome. all eager to get married. But they're also very picky. (laughs) Right. And they're also worried that they're not going to choose the right person. Yes. Like the Mormon church has kind of moved away from the whole soulmate idea. Um, But it is still kind of in. Yeah, it's still there. It's like you're still searching for the perfect Mm -hmm. mate. And everyone's worried that they're not Mm -hmm. going to find the right one. Yep. Because divorce is demonized. Yep. And it shouldn't be an option. As my mother told me, going into marrying you. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it's reassuring yeah. don't go into your marriage thinking that you can get out of it by a divorce <laughs> don't go into a marriage thinking that you're stuck in it for eternity oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah uh, it's like i don't know it's like uh, the subtitle to christopher hitchens book god is not great how religion poisons everything. They take this grand idea of marriage and they just add a bunch of baggage to it that can be very problematic Mm -hmm. for a lot of people if they actually start thinking about, you know, the the logical conclusions of things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like divorce isn't an option. Marriage is eternal. If you get divorced, then you lose your children. Yeah. It's like these are all... If you have your ceiling broken... But that also poses another problem because if a woman gets remarried and is not sealed to her husband and they have children, she is still not sealed to those children. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> the whole sealing thing has bothered me for a very long time. Yeah, because there's so many, uh, there's so many just holes in it. Yeah. You know? so and they, it <laughs> weighs in favor of the male every yeah, time. Every time. Yep. Because they're the ones with the priesthood. Yeah. So that's fun. Inadvertent sexism. I don't think it's inadvertent at all. Yeah. I think it's deliberate. They're just better at disguising it now. Yeah. Antiquated? Antiquated is probably better. Yeah. Let's go with that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But still deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> I will give this to you. <laughs> I will pull you through the veil. <laughs> okay. Oh, anything else? Nope. All right. I'm good. I think that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at skepticsquaredpodcast at gmail.com. And our blog is at www.skepticsquaredpodcast.blogspot.com. And we will see you next time on the Skeptic Squared Podcast. Bye now. Ciao, ciao.